Now I want to talk to you about the most pernicious myth. The most pernicious one that actually started in the first century that they, they started believing right away was that Jesus was just a royal deliverer, not an eternal savior. The worst myth was to miss the point of why he was coming. And there are so many who came, he'd feed 5,000 and they come and they're like, hey, give us more food. And he goes, no, you need, you need me. I'm the bread of life. You need faith and trust in me so that you might be saved. You need your sins forgiven. And they go, oh, now nah, Jesus, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll believe about your whole sin stuff when you give us more food. And they really just, they just want handouts, right? I want you to give me food. I want you to make me happy. I want you to make me healthy. I want you to make me wealthy. I want you to make me wise. I want you to make my life better, Jesus. And he says, the problem is you're like a dying man on the operating table asking for like plastic surgery. You want a facelift, but you need a heart transplant. And unless you're willing to take this heart transplant, your facelift won't matter. <laughs> and unless we're willing to take Christ as savior, his blessings won't matter. We have to have Christ as our eternal savior. Yet the Jews often thought at the beginning introducing to Jesus and seeing him as the Messiah, that he was going to be this like royal deliverer that was going to cast off the yoke of the, of the Romans. And basically, let's make it more applicable to us, right? Make their lives better. Jesus, make our lives better. Put us on top of the world. But he wanted to come and save them from their sins. In fact, Matthew one twenty one gives a purpose statement for Jesus at his birth. It says, and uh, Matthew one twenty one, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That from the very beginning, it was about salvation from sin, as Isaiah 53 says. Is Jesus here to make us happy? No. Is he here to show us what love is? Is that what Christmas is really about? To show us what real love is? No. No. Yeah. Does Jesus show us what love is? Yes, but that's not. If that was all he did, then there'd be nobody in hell. If that was all he did, I just wanted to show you love. Job done. No, it was, it was not just that. It was not to bring families together. Although holidays sometimes bring families together and that's a good, that's a good thing, hopefully. I mean, you know, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not. But Jesus did not come to bring families together. In fact, he said that there would sometimes be families torn apart because some would choose to believe in him and some would not. He came to deal with our sin. He came to take our sin away on the cross. That um, Jesus is not a baby in a manger. He's the king of heaven. And he's coming again, and he's going to rule and reign in righteousness. And this is going to happen, and we don't know the timing of it, but it's, it's what you call imminent. It's, it's for sure. It's for real, and it's coming. The most pernicious myth about Christmas nowadays is the same one from the first century, that you could, you could suddenly throw on a veneer of Christianity on top of your life, and everything's okay. That you, oh, I know about the whole Jesus in the manger thing. I'm cool with that, like... You know, you ask a group of people, what's Christmas really about? And they'll be like, oh yeah, uh, Jesus, right? No, no, no. What is it really about? Like, what is your Christmas really about? Oh, well, I mean, I say Jesus, but not really. Like my, my Christmas is about the same thing my life is about. Ignoring God and just getting by and putting on a veneer of religion to make myself feel a little bit better about issues that only Jesus can heal if I truly open my heart and give my life to him completely. I want to cl close with uh, Colossians 3 because I think that this passage gets across the heart that 
God would want us to have towards Christ. Because there's something that happens when Jesus is not, he's not to you a helpful God who's going to like make my life a little better. And I don't really have to change my ways or anything like that. But, but like I sort of tip the hat to him and I accept him and I acknowledge him. And then occasionally like on funerals, of course I'm religious, you know, and on Sundays, sometimes when I do decide to go to church, I'm, I'm religious, but I'm not all about Jesus. And there's, there's something that like, if you're not saved, you just don't get it. But if you're saved, you get it. And the, the thing is here in Colossians chapter three, this is the thing that we get. We get that Jesus is not just the one who saves us. He's our life. He's the function and purpose of our being that he, it's all consuming this, this thing of following Jesus and knowing him. And there's nothing greater or bigger or grander or more important to our hearts. And, um, and you get it if you've been redeemed, if you've been saved, it's, I don't think people have to explain it to you. <laughs> and if you haven't, then it seems like you, you can't get it. And you just look at it and you're like, I don't know. You're just a fanatic. So let's look at Colossians 3. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, who is our life, appears. Then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you've put off the old man with his deeds. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. And this passage, when you really look at it in detail, you go, man, this is, Jesus is my life. He's not just, I don't just tip my hat to the, to the Jesus of Christianity. He's my life. It's an all-consuming thing. Christ, he is my life. And when he appears, I'll appear with him. And that's what it's all set on. So I fix my eyes on him. And if Christmas is the time of year when you suddenly start thinking about Jesus, something's wrong. (laughs) Most of the time, I think, as believers, we're like, oh, Christmas is here. All right. Business as usual. Like, I'm just going to, my life is about Christ. You know, I like lights. That's cool. But I'm still about Jesus. I like to use Christmas as a, a, a door opener to preach Christ to people and talk to them about the Lord. But my life should be as much about Jesus as it is on Christmas Day, as it is on Sunday, as it is on Monday and Tuesday and whatever, Saturday night. That it's all just about Christ. So the biggest myth that we want to disabuse people of is the myth that they're okay with Jesus when they're really not. Which is kind of very American. It's very American. And may, may God open our eyes to show us if there's people, if there's any of us who are not genuine, not real, in not just acknowledging, but in yielding to God and yielding to Christ and knowing the fullness of who he is.